Hello, good morning. Get off your ass and go for a walk right now. So we can get into this podcast. Um, I listened to that podcast about uh, with Tim Spector and Stephen Barter's podcast. I thought I'd uh, write some notes about it and see what he's got. The first thing, the first thing to say is he's uh, he, this man starts from a conclusion. He starts from his conclusion that the gut is the key to everything because he makes money from selling things about the gut. He his real intro into the gut being the problem was he said he's looking at identical twins and Heath said that identical twins should have the same rates of anxiety, depression, whatever and um, that the only difference he saw in them was the gut so therefore the gut means the differences, right? But there was a study on a hundred twin pairs in a hospital in London right? And it showed that the concordance rates of about 46% for depression were found in the identical twins and about 20% in the non-identical twins, right? So what this says is, is that genetic factors are important in the risk of developing depression and second, that even if an individual shares 100% of their genes in common with someone who has developed depression, that does not mean they will experience depressive episode. The latter is worth emphasizing as it means that genetic factors alone cannot explain the occurrence of depression, but that social, psychological, and environmental factors are also important in determining which individuals with genetic vulnerability to depression actually experience a clinical episode. So he said it's just the gut, because that's the only thing he's seen as different. But the, this study done on the twins is saying, well, actually, it's a social element. So just because you're an identical twin doesn't mean you have an identical experience. Obviously not. You're going to speak to different people over your life. You can have different friends in school, maybe. You might have a slightly different experience with one teacher, right? You, your mother might treat you slightly different to the other. There might be a favourite twin. There's differences environmentally. There's difference socially and psychologically. You can't know exactly how another person reacts to things in the brain, even if they're identical. So all that plays into it. Not, it's not just that the gut. So he's gone from that and now he's kind of expanded, right? Since I've seen the twin studies... And because the twin studies show that only the only the gut is different, I'm going to go down this now. And gut, gut for life. Gut for life. I'm going with the gut for life. Um, and what's really worrying about what he says, in my opinion, is that he says that um, calories kind of don't matter. Well, calories are bullshit, he basically says. There's no studies to show that they help weight loss. It's obviously absurd to say that because there is. Um, he says that people just gain weight back when they lose it, right? And that's a problem with diets. And he's saying that the reason this is because you go, your body goes back to a baseline. Now, there's this baseline theory. Obviously, we all have a maintenance, and as we're gradually eating more and more, putting more weight and weight on, our maintenance kind of goes, well, goes up and up and up because we're way more. And for us to kind of take the weight off and go back down to a lower maintenance, it does mean that eventually it's going to be a bit uncomfortable for us because we're not going to feel, we're going to feel like we're going to have to move a bit more and we're eating a bit less. And then you have to kind of find your new normal. But just because you've got a baseline and you're overweight or obese and you've got this baseline and he says, when you're going to lose weight, you're going to go back to baseline because that's what the humans are built on. That baseline is going back to, which is overweight or obese, doesn't mean that's the right baseline. It's just the baseline that you've kind of eventually ended up in. So we're going to have to move the other way slowly. So we've slowly moved our baseline up less activity, more calories, end up where we are. Now we need to move it back. Slow, we're gonna baseline coming down. We're gonna increase our exercise slowly and our steps. So we're gonna reduce energy intake and we're gonna to get to a different baseline. And that's where it's gonna be a different lifestyle, of course. If you have a different 
baseline. It means you have to have a different lifestyle. It's not a thing you do once and then it's done. Your baseline is your lifestyle, right? Now, this is the interesting stuff because he claims that you should eat, basically, this is what he says. He says the ketogenic diet is bad because it's restrictive and it's you, nobody basically sticks to it, which I agree with. And he says that it's because there's only like a pretty much a limited amount of food that this going to cause you problems, right? I can't see how he doesn't see the contradiction in his own thinking because he's now saying, well, for me, that guy asks him what, what's the, what's the food, what's the diet, and he goes right thirty plants. Um, what did he say? Thirty plants, yogurts, and fruit, whatever. What else did he say? I think that's pretty much it. He didn't say much food from that. Now let me show you the research on how bad rigid dieting is or rigid eating rigid eating is what he is approaching he is saying all the foods in the world you're going to see in the supermarket he, he literally says this in the podcast any food that's in a package alarm bells he says alarm bells right what so any packaged food the only food that's not alarm bells for him is if they're not packaged have you seen the size of the area of a, of a supermarket that's got the non-packaged food is tiny. It's the fruit and veg aisle. It's tiny. The supermarket is massive. All the foods in the supermarket, to him, out of bounds, really. Danger, danger. So he's saying keto's bad because it's limited. And he is extremely limited in the foods that he says you should be eating. Let's have a look about... Sorry. Let's have a look how bad rigid, rigid dieting is or rigid eating. So it says here in the studies, I'm, I'm referencing studies here, rigid control was associated with more problematic eating behaviors with binge being the predominant problem flexible control was linked to the opposite fewer reports of dysfunctional or disordered eating so the stricter the diet the more likely the dieter was to break the rules and overeat Sheeran and colleagues found that flexible control was inversely associated with body mass index bmi in other words a more flexible approach to dieting was associated with lower body weight Right in 2002, Stewart and colleagues found that rigid dieting but not flexible um, eating was associated with eating disorder symptoms, body image disturbance, and higher BMI. Right in 2000, Triggerman, sorry, Tiggerman was perhaps the first to present the concept of dichotomous thinking, so binary thinking. I can't say the word properly. I'm going to trip up on his podcast. Can't do it. Binary thinking as a factor that can influence dietary outcomes. Dichotomous binary perceptions of food and diet. And so, for example, good versus bad, clean versus dirty were implicated as a dysfunctional cognitive style. In 2003, Byrne and colleagues investigated the psychological factors associated with weight loss maintenance and found that black and white thinking was one of the strongest predictors of weight regain. Right, and Timbo, when you're talking about people are going to gain all their weight back after they lose it because they're measuring calories. So what he's saying is calories are bad. Don't measure calories. It's stupid. Calories is a unit of measurement of energy. Don't hate calories. It's just calories is a unit. You can't hate liters. You can't hate meters. You can't hate miles. And miles are my... I don't know. It's nuts that people can't get this. So he's saying that energy doesn't matter in a sense but of course it energy matters but what he's saying what this study's saying is more people put the weight back on not because they've managed to reduce their energy intake it's because they live in this black and white thinking of eating and if you the more you are thinking this way well like he's telling you to think he's telling you to say if you don't eat these foods that are good for your gut you're dead 
basically. If you're eating packaged foods, alarm bells need to go off. If you're eating foods with 10 chemicals or more, that's another thing he said, alarm bells going off, right? That's promoting very, very rigid binary thinking. That's bad, that's good, right? That is one of the strongest predictors of weight regain. So what he's, what he's suggesting is actually more likely for you to regain your weight than if you were to just simply do it probably an energy deficit, right? He doesn't reference these studies because he's not talking about the psychological at all. He's talking about, he's acting like a fucking, he's this perfect human that's gonna eat 30 plants a week. Like, that's not how the world works, Tim. Like the world, you're living in fucking la-la land, mate. You're living in this land where you think that people, what about the people of, of lower socioeconomic backgrounds who can't afford to always eat fresh fruit and veg? Who can't, how many times, I said this, how many times have you bought fresh fruit and veg and lean meats and nuts and stuff and you forget to eat it within two days and it goes off and it's wasted food? There's a preservatives and stuff, not only, yes, okay, you can, loads of additives, we don't want loads and loads and loads of additives, there are foods out there that are crazy added sugars, right, I'm not saying that, but to preserve the food lasts longer, it's cheaper, that enables people to have food, that's not a bad thing, and stop demonising people that make these choices, you're saying about this gut, you've taken, you've taken, you've gone from this gut, you've made loads of books about the gut, making money for it, but you've gone from this twin study all down this rabbit hole now, Right, in 2011, I got Lethbridge and colleagues reported that dichotomous thinking was, which is black and white thinking, binary, yeah, good and bad thinking, was one of the factors linked to disordered eating. In 2015, Palshka et al. found that failed body weight regulation was associated with dichotomous eating and dieting beliefs rather than dietary restraint pussy. In 2018, Berg and colleagues found that in overweight and obese women averaging 69 years of age, increased flexibility in their diet, in dietary restraint, combined with decreased rigid restraint was associated with greater weight loss. The more flexible you are, the more likely you're gonna lose weight. The more flexible you are, the more likely you're gonna keep that weight off. The more flexible you are, the more like water you are, the more like bamboo. You know, some days you can have more processed foods, some days you can home cook, some days you can have ready meals because you're on the go, some days you'll have a protein bar, some days you'll have fruit, some days you, you'll be able to meal prep all weekend and happy days. Good God. What matters really is that we're not overloading our body with unnecessary energy. So no matter if you have the best food quality in the world, if you're giving your body too much energy, you're gonna gain weight, you're gonna gain fat. I know that's just simple. It's harder to overeat unprocessed foods, but the study he references, he says there was a study, which I can't find by the way, that he says that you have ultra processed foods versus home cooked meals. And if he says calories, they ate the same calories, the same macros, and the group with ultra processed ate 200 calories more. I just don't understand what he means by it. I think you see, like he didn't explain, was it that they were given the same calories and told to go off and eat ad libidum? Or whatever, do you know what I mean? So I don't know. I tried to find it, but I couldn't find it. But 200 calories more. I mean, it's not the end of the world, really, is it? And as for me, eating all ultra-processed versus home-cooked. So if we have a bit of a balance, if bring up a balance, moderation, as we say, as the Buddha says, bring the moderation in, happy days. More on this research. 
harboring the perception of good and bad foods opens up the potential for moral judgment of oneself or others who might be eating bad food thus committing a bad deed and thus being a bad person labeling foods in this manner gives them undeserved power bad foods become perceived as forbidden fruit this sets the stage for overconsumption or binging because the dieter swears that this will be the last dance with this morally reprehensible food bottom line is just food give the power to yourself not the food of course there needs to be some degree of moderation of foods that have problematic potential this makes a good segue into the concept of discretionary calories and he says right he says in the podcast when you do a deficit you might lose weight but then your body fights back right so we know this that when we go into a deficit and you lose weight the body doesn't really want to lose weight um, your hunger level goes up because the body's like, hey, let's let's eat some more food, whatever. But this is like bodybuilders have bodybuilders have worked this out for decades. They that's why they bring in maintenance weeks and maintenance days or refeed days, as they call them, and they'll just increase their calories to maintenance and bring in the carbs, and it kind of resets it in a sense, and you go back into another dieting phase. And most of you are going to go to maintenance by default every few weeks anyway. So if you were in a fat loss phase, I guarantee you that you're probably going to hit the maintenance day a few times every two weeks easy because you would just do if you are flexible and you don't mind doing it like i don't mind if i'm in a fat loss phase and i just go over my my, my goal by five six hundred calories i've pretty much hit maintenance and like i don't mind doing it it's flexible i've got no i'm not fighting myself i don't think i'm a terrible person for doing it and i get on with it so a lot of you are going to hit these maintenance days anyway but if you want to be sure for it every two or three weeks or maybe the leaner you are the more frequently you'll have to do it but every say four weeks as an average you might go maybe i should go to maintenance for a week maybe i should just go to maintenance for a week not just because you know yeah i could carry on on the, on this deficit and it's not too bad but i'll just go maintenance for a week you know drop my training a bit focus more on you know hitting prs maybe in happy days there's a lot more stuff he says and it's going to cover it's going to cut a lot and I, i'm not like he's obviously a very intelligent man he's doing a lot of good work and he's looking at the research of the of the gut and all this stuff but like the claims he's coming out of with the gut and then saying that it's nonsense like really really like big words you know what i mean it's not someone and he didn't sound confident in what you're saying he wasn't confident in the stuff he was saying i didn't i didn't find the confidence coming through in him um you know he says there's no long-term study show effective weight loss if you are basically controlling energy and um he says old theory he says restaurant foods calories can be 30% off but food packaging you know legally 10% doesn't just because you can't be perfect with something doesn't mean you shouldn't it's not going to be useful like obviously we know we're not going to be 100% sure on the calories in calories out part right but of course like we've known that from the start not everything is perfect so because something's not perfect should we not use the tool like it's a stupid of course we should it's very useful of lots of millions of people around the world have found it useful he says calorie counting doesn't matter um he says there's weird chemicals in foods like right what's the weird chemical um and he says they make more money because labels have calories on them i just don't get that point he's like obviously the calories on them regulation i mean there's more cal like, like obviously like low calorie diet foods they 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 obviously the packaging is marketing in itself so they're marketing the foods and you know low just because it's a diet food doesn't mean it's better we all know that um and stephen asks him to define quality and he says original ingredients not boiled up pure form nuts seeds grains fruits veggies 
berries. But he can't really answer this question. He's stuttering like... Olive oil, he says. Slightly processed, though, isn't it? Olive oil. Ultra, uh, extra virgin isn't, I think. Just a lot of stuff. Added vitamins. Yeah, he says... Uh, he says added vitamins this terrible on the cereal because he used a magnet and he managed to get the iron off the cereal. No shit, like, obviously, you get a magnet, you can take the iron off the cereal if it's there. Good thing is it's there to come off. Like, <laughs> so they are adding the iron in. But who the fuck's taking a magnet on the cereal before they're eating it? I haven't done it. Should we do it or what? Should I, should I sell a turtle magnet, guys? Turtle magnet, get the iron off. Disgusting. Poor iron. And he says that he used to have a breakfast which had, basically it was all carb and orange juice. And he said it it spiked his glucose, blood glucose. No shit. He ate fucking carbs. Um, changes lunch. And he didn't have the sugar spikes. Now he thinks that's healthy. There's nothing wrong with having a glucose spike in the blood. There's obviously, you don't want to get too high and stuff and it crashes and all that. But this is normal. normal. He says everyone loves simple rules. It has to be complicated, but then goes the other way then. He says personal nutrition. His personal nutrition is eat less processed foods or eat only from a group of five or ten foods, basically. And then he talks about intermittent fasting. Right. There's a study, right, he's talking about intermittent fasting. There's a systematic, you can look his study up. It's a really recent one. It's a systematic review of cardiometabolic inflammatory and appetite outcomes from intermittent fasting. You know what the conclusion is? Conclusion, let me read it to you. Okay, so they looked at all sorts of studies. A total of 42 articles were included. In short-term studies, um, IER showed pre- to post-treatment improvements in eight of the nine studies that assessed weight. Weight outcomes were sustained in the long-term. However, no significant long-term between group differences were observed in fat mass, other anthropometric and cardiometabolic inflammatory and appetite outcomes. Compared to continuous energy restriction, intermittent fasting showed no significant long-term differences in anthropometric, cardiometabolic, inflammatory or appetite outcomes in included studies. More long-term studies are needed to assess the benefits. So he's saying that it's got these benefits, these appetites and this anti-inflammatory better for health. But this, this is a systematic review. This systematic review came out uh, what what was years come out? Um, 20, July twenty twenty two. Can't really get more up to date on this. I'm saying no, mate. It's not true. That's a systematic review. It's looked at all the. It's all looked at all the current research out there, on intermittent fasting. And he says propping pills like vitamins and stuff is like a religion. Um, and then Stephen Bartlett's an idiot. He's like, I did the ketogenic diet and I lost a, a, a stone in two weeks. Yeah, because you literally lost loads of water weight, mate. And then he said, it's so amazing. I felt amazing. I felt awesome. I lost weight. I was on top of my game. And then he stopped doing it. If it was so good, mate, you wouldn't stop doing it, would you? If that diet was so amazing for you, why did you stop doing it? If that, if it, it was that easy for you to get a... He said someone was cooking his meals and stuff. Getting someone to cook your meals and you feel unbelievable for me. Why did you stop? Because it wasn't that good, was it? an idiot keto makes no sense sustainable that's what we we agree with and that and there's a lot of stuff he's good information on it like obviously eat more plants he says eat the fermented fruits yogurt is, is processed actually eat the rainbow dark chocolate definitely agree good stuff in dark chocolate if you switch if you love chocolate switch from your normal chocolate to dark chocolate there's a lot of good stuff in that coffee yes of course um steve says at one point that uh, 
he gets on boring guests and that's a rogue comment to make because Steve you are boring mate um, and then last thing I'm going to cover um, and he's right on the exercise thing so he's talking about exercise he said exercise isn't really got a, a big role in fat loss and it's true um, exercise alone doesn't do anything you know you still need the bottom you still need the energy deficit you still need your diet to be in, 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 in tune um, but there's something called energy compensation so like when you do exercise your body will compensate for the exercise by reducing your energy out through the rest of the day because that's just how the body works so we, we doing exercise isn't really a good indicator for fat loss but again like he says bang on you should be doing it for your heart health your health everything that should, of course you should be um, but let's not mix up this is the, this is a tricky part it says exercise doesn't help with weight loss but activity does there's a research on activity and if we don't move enough per day our appetite regulation system is dysregulated right which means we get hungrier than we should because we're sitting down all day but we're really hungry why you're not moving because your appetite regulation system is dysregulated because there's not enough activity happening like our ancestors activity levels we didn't do it we're not doing it so we're getting hungrier for no reason so as you move more and the research kind of indicates 6,000 8,000 steps a day as we get more active the regulation system apparate regulation system works properly you're more in tune with your body's needs so you actually consume less calories with more steps so for people that don't move at all his advice is terrible because actually the, if you do move to kind of the median amount that people should be moving, you're actually might you're actually going to see more control of your appetite. Not hundred percent, but the research on it. But if you go and do too much exercise, yes, of course your appetite's going to fly up because your body's going to need more, and you're going to probably eat more and stuff like that. Um, and he says there was no ultra processed food study in th in a, only in the last three years. I found some from 2010, 2005. Um, so I don't know where you got that information from. And he's saying that the cans of sugar versus diet is no different in weight. That's bullshit. Bullshit. Systematic reviews on using um, diet drinks versus the sugar versions show um, better weight management, better adherence to diets, um, no blood glucose spikes, basically happy days. Obviously, again, it could cause some stomach issues. Some people get bloated and stuff, so bring it down. My last thing on this, Stress is a big cause of issues in the stomach and psychological stress can cause a lot of problems. Chronic psychological stress is a big problem. He says the probiotics are better than antidepressants. I've tried to look at the, the, the study he's referenced. I can't find it. And he says the Mediterranean diet is better than antidepressants from, uh, for depression as well. I haven't seen that study. I've tried to find it. But it's important to note that if you're always stressed about food to eat good and bad, that's probably more damaging to you than if you add that flipping cookie. Okay, no offense, like that's probably the truth of it. If you're always chronically, oh, should I do this? Oh my God, I'm so stressed about what I'm eating. Oh my God, I can't believe I eat that. You do it, trigger a stress response. You're frustrated, you're anxious, you're turning red, you hate yourself, you're punching the table. Look, always being stressed is not good. Very, very bad, right? And I would argue that we need to control the stress first. Let's not have such black and white thinking, judgmental and no eating. Let's start with facts, like I said yesterday. The fact is, Timmy, we eat a diet of processed foods, whole foods and ultra processed foods. And we're not going to just all throw all the foods away from the supermarkets we ever eat now and the foods we love and just go and eat some leaves. That's not what we're going to do. What we're going to do is we're going to eat the foods we are now. We're going to start from a fact. We're going to eat, track what we're eating. And we're slowly going to reduce the energy intake, slowly reduce the portion sizes and slowly 
but surely maybe we'll get bring in more fruit instead of that chocolate chocolate bar maybe we'll have some potatoes instead of that you know oven chips or whatever it is we'll slowly change over time and that's how we're going to improve our health and we're going to do it in a lower stress state than the state you're claiming which is to be all or nothing perfectionist which isn't going to happen for people you live in a cuckoo land that's it enjoy your day get your one big thing done